At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Groups of congressional Democrats have now separately called for investigations of Gal Luft and his influence on congressional Republicans, investigations by the House Armed Services Committee, by the House Foreign Affairs Committee, by the House Select Committee on China, and by the House Oversight Committee, investigations into the obvious security breaches and the potential national security threat of relying on somebody who may be a spy for China. Ray Epps is suing Fox and Tucker Carlson for defamation and is using the same local lawyer Dominion Voting Systems used. And based on the filing, it looks like Ray Epps will wind up owning Tucker Carlson and maybe Fox as well. And Trump's stochastic terrorist who went to kill Obama after Trump doxed Obama will stay in jail until trial. Let us start with Gal Luft and Oversight Chairman James Comer and whether Comer and his fellow travelers are Luft's minders or inventors or programmers or marionettes or what? It is not quite the full-throated investigation of Jamie Comer and Ron Johnson and Nancy Mace and Jim Jordan and all the others who are figuratively in bed with a Chinese agent who also works for Iran and is also an international fugitive from justice, which I called for here yesterday. However, the ranking Democrat on the scandal factory that Comer has turned the oversight committee into is Jamie Raskin. And Jamie Raskin and Congressman Dan Goldman have written to Comer, quote, calling for an investigation into whether committee Republicans may have relied on false statements or misinformation provided by Gal Luft. Just as importantly, Raskin and Goldman note that Comer and the Republicans have refused to share any documents from or about Gal Luft or any information provided by Gal Luft with Democrats on the same committee. Raskin and Goldman add, quote, 
Given Chairman Comer's own public endorsements of Mr. Luft's information, there is no plausible basis for Republicans to withhold from committee Democrats any and all information, unquote, that Luft has provided, including, quote, any information that led committee Republicans to conclude that Luft is a, quote, very credible witness, despite being under indictment and a fugitive from justice, unquote. If the Raskin-Goldman demand for an investigation into Luft and his influence over Comer and the others is not sufficient evidence that Comer has crawled out onto the very end of the limb and then sawed it off behind him, Florida Congressman Jared Moskowitz has asked House Select Committee on China Chair Mike Gallagher to launch an investigation into Luft, who, as Moskowitz wrote Rogers, is now, quote, charged with arms trafficking, sanctions violations, and acting as an unregistered foreign agent for China. Moskowitz just barely touched the charge that Luft bribed a member of the transition team for the then president-elect Trump, widely reported to be the former CIA director James Woolsey. Quote, Despite this damning eight-count indictment, members of the majority on the Oversight Committee are still trying to obtain Mr. Luft's testimony to validate their conspiracy theories about the Biden family. The lengths to which Chairman Comer and other members are willing to go to sell these theories to the American people and influence the 2024 presidential election extend into a dangerous realm, one that may jeopardize national security, unquote. And of course, Congressman Moskowitz is goddamned right. And what he says cannot be repeated too often. Gall Luft is credibly accused of acting as an unregistered agent. Spy may not be too strong a term for China. Key Republicans, including the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, are relying for information, whether the information is true, partially true, or utter contemptible fiction that has been provided by a Chinese agent. As Moskowitz writes to Gallagher, enabling a Chinese-backed Iranian arms supplier and making him a centerpiece of oversight investigations calls into question whether the Chinese Communist Party has tainted the Oversight Committee and its work, unquote. In his choice of the word tainted, Representative Moskowitz is, I feel, being conservative and polite. This is no longer about the corrupt, dishonest, shameful, sleazy lies and defamation spread by this jackass Comer and his fellow jackass Republicans who will literally stop at nothing to promote their own jackass careers and damage a president and damage this country. This is beyond that now. This is national security. This is the open question of what other influence Gal Luft and his Chinese interests, the ones he represents, have wielded on Comer and the others, if other representations there may be. Jamie Comer is now doing exactly what the Chinese would want him to do. Ron Johnson is now doing exactly what the Chinese would want him to do. Nancy Mace is now doing exactly what the Chinese would want her to do. Jim Jordan is now doing exactly what the Chinese would want him to do. Jared Moskowitz is clearly as pissed off about this as you and I are. 
He has also asked Armed Services Committee Chair Rogers and Foreign Affairs Committee Chair McFall to conduct congressional briefings about Gal Luft. Quoting again, on their own, Mr. Luft's interactions with Iran and on behalf of the People's Republic of China seriously threaten our national interests and those of our allies. However, he continues, this individual has been embraced and elevated by the chairman of the House Oversight Committee, which I believe increases the risk to our national security that Mr. Loof presents, as well as the integrity of the committee. I ask that you hold a briefing to examine the impact of Mr. Luft's dealing with Iran and China and any security breaches resulting from his actions, unquote. Moskowitz and Raskin and Goldman in tandem are right on the money here, but these are only first steps. This is now about James Comer and the House Oversight Committee and what influence Chinese interests have over both. This certainly needs to be examined within the non-insane parts of the House Republican Caucus, but it is too important to be left in any venue in which amoral, irresponsible, disloyal Republican political hacks have a say or a vote. If the questions are indeed about, quote, security breaches, quote, our national interests and those of our allies, quote, national security, if those are the stakes, then the investigation needs to be conducted by the Office of Homeland Security and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, because while the big, red, rotating, blaring siren may be this man, Gal Luft, he is not a sitting member of the House or the Senate, and this nation needs to know immediately to what degree, if any, Congressman Comer, Congressman Jordan, Congresswoman Mace, Senator Johnson, and other Republicans may have been compromised by China or may have been targets for compromise by China. There is, it turns out, as the Republicans have been saying, a foreign influence scandal inside the government of the United States, and it exists at this hour. And the smell is coming from inside the offices of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, James Comer, Chairman. Now to the unexpected good news from the Trump bid to get somebody to attack Barack Obama or his family or just his home by remote control. Taylor Taranto will now be held without bail until trial. You will recall this terrifying timeline. Sometime in late May or early June, Taylor Taranto, a January 6th defendant not yet arrested, had begun living in a van near the Washington jail where many conspirators, either convicted or awaiting trial, were serving their time. On Thursday, June 28th, Trump, who has refined the process of terrorism by proxy to a science, posted on social media what he said was Barack Obama's home address. Taylor Toronto reposted Trump's unspoken call for his cultists to go there and added, quote, we got those losers surrounded. See you in hell, Podestas and Obamas. Hours later, Taylor Toronto began to live stream from the Obama neighborhood, saying he had, quote, control, unquote, of the block, that he was searching for, quote, entrance points and the, quote, tunnels underneath their houses, and was looking for, quote, a good angle on a shot, 
Police arrested Taylor Toronto on the outstanding January 6th warrants, and they found in his truck, which he was living in, two of the 20 guns registered in his name along with hundreds of rounds of ammunition. Prosecutors understandably asked U.S. Magistrate Judge Zia Faruqi to detain Toronto indefinitely, and that's when one of the creaking corners of the law, which Trump has so magnificently manipulated these long eight years, seemed to come to his proxy's aid. Because Toronto had been arrested only on those January 6th charges, the only argument U.S. attorneys could make for detaining him without bail was this profoundly disturbed and clearly potentially violent man's relative likelihood as a flight risk. Judge Faruqi quite reasonably asked what he was supposed to do about this man if he was to find that Taranto was, in fact, not a flight risk. Happily, Faruqi found a way out. He adjourned for nearly a week, a hearing in which Taranto's public defender demanded his release on bond. And yesterday, Faruqi ordered the man held indefinitely. While prosecutors develop other charges against him, Faruqi said the, quote, temperature is way too high in our political discussions, unquote. He added that the consequences could be, quote, catastrophic if Taranto were released and was free to do the things that he thought in his warped mind that elected officials were telling him to do. Translation. Faraki believes Taranto could still be a Trump stochastic terrorist and could still easily head to Obama's house or anywhere to do anything he thought would please Trump. It is Dracula and Renfield all over again. The judge said the nation had failed Taranto by not getting him the help he needed for his PTSD after service in Iraq, and that is true, and frankly, unfortunately right now, that is irrelevant to the national safety. But without naming names, the judge made it clear he thought others were morally responsible for this nightmare. Quote, where are the people telling you do things? He asked Taranto. Where are they? They're not here. Unquote. I'll take that question, judge. The leader of them is in Florida. He is poisoning other minds as we speak. And also as we speak, he is trying to steal again the ultimate power of this nation. And as I reported to you two days ago, Ray Epps, hardly innocent but clearly a bystander, has indeed sued Fox News for defamation and false light characterization. And he has sued them in the same jurisdiction in Delaware, using the same local attorney Dominion used when Dominion won an $800 million settlement just before that trial was to begin. And his lawsuit is peppered with references to the lies Tucker Carlson told about him that the suit claims destroyed the lives of Epps and his wife and forced them to flee their home and go live in an RV in an undisclosed location. I have detailed the Epps case here before. The day Fox fired the vermin Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was ready to do yet another segment, his 18th or 19th or 20th, on how Ray Epps, a staunch conservative, a true believer that the election had been stolen from Trump, had on the night of January 5th and early on the day of January 6th, urged protesters, including the infamous moron Baked Alaska, to go to the U.S. Capitol on the 6th. But when they got there and violence erupted, Epps suddenly turned away. 
He never himself entered the Capitol. He tried to stop the violence he encountered. Unlike literally a thousand others, Ray Epps was not arrested. Not yet, anyway. Carlson and others on Fox, Laura Ingram did it at least once, concluded, fabricated, that there was only one possible explanation for this behavior that they could not understand, that Epps must be a provocateur, that he was planted by um, the FBI. Yeah, the FBI. He was planted by the FBI to foment an insurrection to make Trump look bad. In the diseased, vengeful, racist mind of Tucker Carlson, two simple facts never broke through the clutter. The FBI was under Donald Trump's control at the time, and since there was no evidence, none of anybody but Trump fomenting the coup attempt that was on his behalf, a logical person, not filled with insane rage like Tucker Carlson, would have recognized that Epps had simply believed he was heading to a peaceful protest and was appalled by the destruction and the violence and recoiled like a responsible human being, the kind of person Tucker Carlson deplores and mocks on an hourly basis. The Epps lawsuit is hardly a slam dunk, but it is filled with things Carlson or his guests said that will be nearly impossible for Fox to defend. Just six months ago, Carlson again emphasized that Epps had not yet been charged. Quote, why is that? Well, let's just stop lying. At this point, it's pretty obvious why that is. In other shows, over an 18-month span, Carlson and his guests hammered Ray Epps again and again with no evidence and called him the, quote, stage manager of January 6th, the, quote, smoking gun of the entire Fed surrection. And then there is one paragraph that is the most problematic for Fox and for Carlson, and one wonders how or if Epps will amend his lawsuit if Carlson picks this up on his Twitter program, which I believe is called The Law of Diminishing Returns. During the last gasp of Tucker Carlson on Fox, his big reveal of the unseen video from January 6th that was personally handed to him by the speaker weasel of the House, Kevin McCarthy, the reveal that turned out to be so underwhelming, so boring, so meaningless that Carlson only showed a few minutes of it and some of that two and three times per clip. In that last gasp, Tucker Carlson and Fox News figuratively hanged themselves in terms of this lawsuit. On March 11th, 2023, Tucker Carlson showed video that showed pretty much nothing. But then he said that this video proved the January 6th coup attempt was a false flag. Quoting the fired host that night, March 11, a lot of this was clearly influenced by federal agents or informants. It was, okay? But I did not want to suggest someone was a federal agent or informant unless I knew for a fact, because you could really get someone in trouble, right? If you're like, this was the guy, and like, we don't know. I do know for, I mean, it's very clear, something very strange is going on with Ray Epps. We've named him repeatedly. We've invited him on the show repeatedly. I mean, don't lie to my face. The Ray Epps thing isn't, isn't organic. Sorry. Unquote. 
Amid Carlson's paranoia and his condescension and his Trumpian technique of dancing right up to a legally actionable slander and then never actually finishing the sentence, there is one larger issue in that quotation I just read that Fox will either have to bet hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that no jury will notice or it will have to pay those same hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to Ray Epps. And the larger issue is this. It is a question. Tucker Carlson said just 100 words in that quote there. Twice in those 100 words, he said, federal agent. Twice in those 100 words, he said, informant. Twice in those 100 words, he said, Ray Epps. Once he said, I knew for a fact. Once he said, the Ray Epps thing isn't organic. Once he said, don't lie to my face. So here is the question. If Tucker Carlson was not trying to tell his audience on March 11th of this year that Ray Epps was a federal agent and an informant who influenced the events of January 6th, what the hell else could Tucker Carlson have possibly been trying to say? Also of interest here, Trump was ready to announce during the 2019 State of the Union address that he was invoking the Insurrection Act and he would deploy U.S. troops to forcibly prevent a migrant caravan from crossing our border. He was ready to do the unthinkable, to have American troops threaten or, if necessary, shoot at or actually shoot asylum seekers. And it's not just Miles Taylor's recollection of his role talking Trump out of it. There is a contemporary corroborating witness. That's next. This is Countdown. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash news. That's lifelock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. Postscripts to the news, some headlines, some updates, some snarks, some predictions. Dateline Washington, days before the 2019 State of the Union address. Department of Homeland Security Chief of Staff Miles Taylor and his boss, Kristen Nielsen, raced over to the White House, he says, to talk Trump out of the big splash he was going to make in the annual address. Trump had decided he wanted to answer the latest Fox News race hype outrage, another migrant caravan headed towards the U.S. border. So Trump was just going to invoke the Insurrection Act and authorize U.S. troops to stand on U.S. soil, presumably with weapons drawn and maybe even ready to be fired at the asylum seekers as they approach the border. Quote, Donald Trump was a few sentences away from making it happen. I was there. Taylor writes it in his new book, Blowback. We know Trump was ready to declare an insurrection during the Black Lives Matter protests of 2020, and he was looking for an excuse to do it again later that year or early in 2021 in order to unconstitutionally remain in office. And his former defense secretary, Jim Mattis, knew the threats were real throughout the administration. Quoting him, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution. Never did I dream that troops taking the same oath would be ordered under any circumstance to violate the constitutional rights of their fellow citizens. This is a good time to mention that Miles Taylor is starting today, in fact, a new podcast here in iHeart Politics land, The Whistleblowers. Miles Taylor will be scaring the crap out of you retroactively. The new series is devoted to the stories of high-ranking officials who sounded the alarm about corruption during the Trump administration, people who were there because they believed in policy or in the Republican Party, and they were suddenly faced with the choice, risking everything they had previously worked for to tell the truth about the risk to democracy that Trump posed and still poses. The Whistleblowers with Miles Taylor, episode one dropping today on iHeart or wherever you podcast. And Dateline London. It has now been revealed that the unidentified BBC presenter who had been suspended after tabloid claims that he paid about £35,000 to a young man for semi-naked photographs turned out to be no less a figure than the country's leading newscaster, Hugh Edwards of BBC News at 10. He was the anchor for the death of Queen Elizabeth, for the coronation, the elections, the Olympics, the monthly live coverage of the monthly new British prime minister. The scandal has consumed British media for a week, even though, A, even the tabloid never printed Edwards's name, B, the young man in the case was of legal age and he insisted there was nothing illegal and his parents had overreacted. C. London police said a thorough review showed that that was correct. There were no crimes. There'll be no charges. D. The BBC was excoriated for not naming the presenter. Even some other BBC stars demanded that he out himself. While E. It turns out the BBC was in fact protecting the privacy of one of its employees, Edwards. 
who has publicly acknowledged suffering from depression and who has been hospitalized anew after another bout with depression, which we know because F... When his identity was finally made public, it was made public in a statement issued yesterday by his wife. He has five children. I'd just like to mention I am available to succeed him on News at 10, and I would be, in fact, the best choice they could possibly make. While all this was happening, the WhatsApp messages of the former British Prime Minister Boris Johnson were required by court ruling to have been handed over by Monday by the government to an inquiry into how Johnson had violated COVID lockdown rules. And that still hasn't happened and nobody is talking about it. And because it doesn't involve underwear, it got no coverage. And this story instead got all of it. I should also mention one final point, point G. Because British libel laws are so much more stringent than are those here, no news organization actually reported that it was Hugh Edwards, but the cat was out of the bag for several days. Because time after time over the last couple of days, British radio, television, and digital reporters made the same slip on air, online, wherever, intentional or otherwise, Instead of saying, we still don't know who the presenter is, they kept saying, yeah, we still don't know who the presenter is. Oh! Totally accidental. No doubt. Still ahead on Countdown, it's happened again. Somebody else has told me a story about a day in 1980 at the Lake Placid Olympics where I was up a mountain without an audio cassette, and I asked a colleague from a rival wire service if I could borrow his spare audio cassette so I could do my interviews and not get fired, and the guy went, No! It's an unbelievable story. It gets more unbelievable every time I think about it. Next, in things I promise not to tell. But first, time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze pollster Patrick Ruffini. After the June inflation numbers hit yesterday, 3% slowest pace in more than two years, Ruffini helpfully tweeted, Reminder! Prices are still significantly above January 20, 2021 levels. Gosh, thanks, Pat. Everybody forgot. I'd also like to note this. Reminder, prices are still significantly above January 27th, 1959 levels. That was the day I was born. And I'm not taking the rap for that inflation. No siree, Bob. Patrick. The runner-up, Clarence Thomas, the only Supreme Court justice with a for sale sign growing out of his ass. Well, not the only one, but you know what I mean. The Guardian reporting that a bunch of lawyers who've had business before the Supreme Court, including one of them that was in the case that just ended affirmative action in college admissions, have sent Venmo payments to Thomas's top aide, former top aide now, Rajon Vashist. Guardian says this seems to be connected to Thomas's 2019 Christmas party. How much fun would that be? But the darn thing is, seven of the payments are from lawyers who were previously legal clerks for Clarence Thomas, and three of them argued cases before Thomas, and a fourth was in the Trump administration. And honestly, this sounds like it could be innocent, but good God, Clarence Thomas just doesn't care if it sounds innocent or not, does he? By the way, you want to know the name of another former Thomas Supreme Court clerk? Laura Ingram. 
No, I'm not kidding. But the winner, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds has finally begun the attempt to rehabilitate himself. He wants to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. He told a podcast, quote, People have to understand something is that the fact is that I was vindicated. I went to court. I was in federal court and I won my case 100%. Where is the vindication of me in my own sport? That's what bothers me. Major League Baseball already punished me. Why is the Hall of Fame punishing me? It doesn't make sense. It makes zero sense that you're being double punished for something that you've already been punished for. Here's what Bonds has to understand. He is, other than the game fixers, the greatest cheat in the history of the sport. By the way, the game fixers from the 1919 World Series, they were all acquitted in court themselves. The Hall of Fame election is not a court of law. Barry Bonds could have been found guilty or not guilty, and neither verdict matters. The eligibility rules are fluid and variable, and often that is a problem. When it comes to Bonds, it is a blessing. Barry Bonds will never be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, and outside of the San Francisco Bay Area, he will never be recognized as the holder of the records for most homers in a season or most homers in a career. Never. Barry Bonds. No, no, you're not going to Cooperstown unless you're willing to pay your way in. Today's worst person in the world. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Arm goes off. It is pitch black in my room at the Swiss Acres Motel. It is Valentine's Day, and I am still drunk. Keith knew he was in trouble. But I was also 21 years old, and in fact, my 21st birthday had only been 18 days earlier, so somehow I survived. 
showered, dressed, packed, and I mean I packed two cassette tape recorders, four sets of batteries, an audio processing machine that weighed like 14 pounds, the nine-volt batteries it took, I think it was a dozen of them, a telephone, a backup telephone, 12 assorted patch cords, two loose-leaf notebooks, about eight pens, two microphones, two extra pair of socks, and I got dressed, two full sets of thermal underwear, shirts, sweaters, snow pants, snow shoes, because it was 11 degrees below zero that morning. I got something quick to eat at the commissary, and I made it out somehow to the line for the bus from the Lake Placid Olympic Center to the Lake Placid Transportation Center to Lake Placid's own White Face Mountain, then onto the snow track, the open-penned mountain tractor that went up the side of White Face Mountain and took me to the finish line of the 1980 Olympic men's downhill ski final. Still drunk. That is how a reporter covered the Olympics nearly 43 years ago. You drank. You woke up, you went, you stood near the finish line, and when the skiers completed their runs, you hiked or wobbled over to them, and you took out your microphone or your pen and you interviewed them like two minutes after they had finished hurtling towards you down the hill. You could see almost nothing of the race from there. There were no TV monitors. Basically, your only clue was the sound of the crowd that would give you about 30 seconds worth of warning that the skier was coming over the near horizon and you should be prepared to flee just in case he or she wiped out. Also, you were on top of a mountain at the dead point of winter. And whereas it might have been a balmy 11 degrees below zero in the comfort of the Swiss Acres Motel, with the wind chill at the base of the mountain, it was 48 below zero. And there had already been four inches of new snow since the sun came up. Which is where the still drunk part came in handy. My bosses at my first job, the thousand station radio network called United Press International Audio, had decided the night before to teach me how to drink while on assignment. My bosses were the bureau manager for that part of UPI, the late Stan Sabic, who had hired me, and Sam Rosen, the sports director of the network, who not only somehow survived being my first boss, but today, just 43 years later, is still working as the television voice of the New York Rangers hockey team and is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So I guess my reputation as a tough employee is wildly overrated, or at least Sam thinks so. Sam and Stan kept me drinking at the motel until 2 a.m., knowing full well that I had to get on the 6 a.m. bus to go cover the men's downhill because it was the two of them who had assigned me to go cover the men's downhill. And bluntly, I was surprisingly pleased with myself that freezing morning because I had indeed learned how to drink while on assignment. I had somehow found the phone jack for the UPI phone buried under all the new snow, which, of course, was buried under all the old snow, attached the phone to it, gotten a dial tone, called the office, checked the alligator clips with which I would feed the tape, and all was well. Until... I went to put a cassette tape into the cassette recorder. I didn't have one. Fat lot of good two cassette tape machines gonna do you without a cassette to stick in one of them. I looked forlornly around the base of White Face Mountain. 
1,200 feet above sea level as we were, there was a surprisingly nice chalet and a decent restaurant, but there were no radio shacks or other electronic stores. There was, however, one other radio guy, Jack Briggs, from the Associated Press Radio Network, the nominal arch-rival to our own UPI Audio. I knew Jack a little. He was a nice guy. I went and explained my plight, making sure to blame my bosses for my predicament. Oh, man, he said, his breath turning into first steam and then ice cubes. I'm so sorry, but I, I, I can't give you a cassette. I'm sorry, you're UPI and I'm AP. <laughs> oh, how I laughed. That was a great line to say to a rookie reporter still drunk, thanks to the initiation rituals of his own bosses, the possessor of one great buzz but zero audio cassettes. Jack Briggs could tell I thought he was kidding. That's when he said, I I'm not kidding. L look, if my boss Shelby Whitfield ever found out, he'd fire me. I suddenly wasn't drunk anymore. Not at all. My my boss will will fire me. Briggs was adamant. I, I can't run the risk of Shelby finding out. I have to confess, I shouted. How in the hell is he going to find out, Jack? I think subconsciously I was hoping to create an avalanche, which would have been a better solution than the one I was faced with. I said to him, there's you and there's me. And we're on top of a goddamn mountain, and Shelby Whitfield, your boss, is in Washington, D.C., and he's a drunk, and he's probably more drunk than I am, and he'd probably thank you for helping me to drink more. Briggs would not budge. I told him I would pay him. I told him I would give him the cassette back after I fed my boss the interviews over the phone so there'd be no evidence, and he wouldn't even have to do any interviews. No good. I'm sorry, and I know you're going to tell this story about me for a while. As he walked away from me, I shouted after him, FOREVER! Turned out there was no Radio Shack and no camaraderie, but there was a West Coast newspaper reporter atop the mountain who heard some of this conversation. <laughs> I guess I yelled a little loudly at Mr. Briggs. Some guy standing next to a St. Bernard told me to quiet down. He mentioned something else about the avalanches, or maybe I dreamed that part. I don't know. Anyway, the West Coast newspaper guy said he had a micro cassette machine, and he would loan it to me, and I could give it back to him at the media center that day or the next one. But I had to do him a favor because there was this really cute reporter in our UPI bureau, and he really wanted to be introduced to her. And I said, I can promise you nothing but a handshake, and he understood, and that's how I did not get fired. But, of course, a story like this has punchlines, and this one has two of them. The first is, two years and a couple of months later, Shelby Whitfield asked me to lunch. He had left the Associated Press to run the sports department at the ABC radio network back when that was not only a thing, but a big thing. We went to a terrific New York City Chinese restaurant near ABC called Shun Li. And Shelby Whitfield interviewed me for a job when that kind of job paid 80000 a year and my very nice studio apartment in a very nice part of town cost less than $500 a month. Later, in an interesting twist, I found out that jobs didn't exist. I was mentioning the interview in a press box somewhere, I think Madison Square Garden, and there was another kid reporter named Howie Rose. And Howie is still working. He does the New York Mets games on the radio. And Howie said, wait, they, uh, they interviewed me for that job last year. It's just an excuse for that damn Whitfield to go drink his lunch on ABC's tab. 
Anyway, before we started the interview for the job I did not know did not exist at ABC, I told Shelby Whitfield the White Face Mountain Can I Borrow a Cassette Jack Briggs story, and Shelby's exact reply was, How in the hell was I going to find out? There was you and there was him and you were on top of a goddamn mountain and I was in Washington. Only he didn't say goddamn. That Briggs, he added, always trying to suck up to me. I gotta tell you something. I actually once promised I wouldn't tell you if we ever met this. When the Olympics were over and he came back to the office, he told me what happened. He expected me to be happy or give him a bonus or something. And I called him a little snitch. Only Shelby didn't say snitch. Just a word that rhymed with it. The other punchline is from 1992. And remember, this happened at the 1980 Olympics. I go to work at ESPN and come in a little early to launch their radio network, a story I've told here before, and there I find a friend of mine since my radio days who I have not seen in a year or so, and he says, hey, last month I was at an NBA game in Washington, and I ran into Jack Briggs. He heard you were going to ESPN. He asked me if you were still telling that story about the time you got stuck on Whiteface Mountain without a cassette, and he was the only other reporter there, and he wouldn't give you a spare, and I told him you were... And I smiled and I replied, I hope you remembered to use the word forever. Just as a bonus, I will close this episode with a couple of reports from the 1980 Olympics. I think I'm sober on them. I think. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Here are the credits. Most of the music arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel. They are the Countdown Musical Directors. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was my friend John Dean, and everything else was pretty much my fault. Don't forget, Countdown now also available on YouTube. Subscribe there as well. Give yourself multiple options. So that's Countdown for this, the 919th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Arrest him again while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow, bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. There's been an awful lot of singing on the slopes of Whiteface Mountain during these Olympics, and most of it has been done by the Austrians. This ditty is for Anna-Marie Moser-Prohl, who Sunday completed an Austrian sweep of the Olympic downhills. The downhill is the skiing event as far as the Austrians are concerned, and they were so confident of success that the Olympic team had reserved an area house for a celebration center. Leonard Stock and Anne-Marie Moser-Prohl did not disappoint, and for now, the singing will continue both here and in Austria. Keith Olbermann, Lake Placid. Let's talk luge. Luge is a real fun sport here in the Winter Olympics. It doesn't get an awful lot of publicity, and between the Olympiads, you tend to forget about it. That is not fair. 
Luge, of course, is the event where a guy or a girl or two guys or two girls lie down on this very small sled and rocket around a refrigerated bank track feet first. He, she, or they have strings with which to control, more or less, where they are going. This doesn't always work, of course, and many is the time the luge, luger, or lugist takes to midair when he hits one of those curves wrong. If you can get used to the repetitiveness of competitive luge, the sport becomes a part of your life. Some people have an innate tendency to participate or watch. They, of course, are the born lugers. There is an International Luge Federation Congress, and I would suggest if they want to increase the popularity of their sport, they do a little promotion. Now, I wouldn't tamper with the sport itself. Rocketing around a refrigerated bank track simply cannot be meddled with. Luge purists even doubt the validity of the two-man luge. I would stick to those promotions to boost the sport's acceptance with the public. We need a National Luge League and a Luge Hall of Fame. The Luge Hall of Fame could be built in the shape of the bank track, and it would naturally be refrigerated. Visitors would enter at the top, lie down on a real luge, and go through the hall on their backs, watching overhead slideshows and glancing quickly at plaques detailing the careers of the world's great lugers. Buttons and pins with choice catchphrases would also help luge. How about I'm a luger or born to luge, both of which could also be turned into great popular music hits. We would avoid degradations of the sport like no luge is good luge, or the inaccurate insinuation that lugers travel on their backs because nobody would dare ride down that course head first. And I would remind you, you new luge fan you, of the first promotional luge statement, for everything there is a season, a time to gain, and a time to luge. I'm Keith Olbermann, and from Lake Placid, that's my side. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand. It's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products. It's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.